Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Merry Christmas, Paul Verhoeven. Merry Christmas, Tegan Higginbotham. It is the second Friday and the 10th day of Christmas, and I just wonder how many people have got work Christmas parties tonight. Oh, God. Do, do we? Have we missed one? I have my work Christmas party tonight. You're not invited, though. Oh, damn it. Well, last time I didn't go to your work Christmas party, you broke a finger, so please, <laughs> please be careful this time. Still, we all know what happens at Christmas party. There's intrigue, there's romance, there's Dirty secrets happening in dark corners, and it's all sounding like a very enticing romance novel, which leads me to today's guest. Oh, that segue! That's my Christmas present from you. Pip Drysdale is a writer, musician, and actor who grew up in Africa and Australia. Her debut novel, The Sunday Girl, was a bestseller and has been published in the United States, Italy, Poland, the Czech Republic, and Slovakia. There you go. The Strangers We Know, also a bestseller, is currently being developed for television, while the Paris Affair, her third book, which I loved, is still receiving rave reviews from outlets all over the world. On today's episode, Pip not only shares her writing tips, her recommended reading list for Christmas, but also a universally adored, if not slightly odd, desert island Christmas dish. Welcome to the island, Pip Drysdale. Pip Drysdale, welcome. Welcome to Dish Island. We are so excited to have you here and really grateful for your time because I know this year you have been very busy trying to write your fourth book after three incredible best-selling books. So how's the fourth book coming along? Well, I'm in like that happy space between where I've handed it in and before I hear back. So like, you know, I'm in the chill holiday space. So at the moment, everything feels good. But like, I mean, slightly anxious in case like, what if they hate it? But mainly good. <laughs> so. Your last book, The Paris Affair, you actually researched this book in Paris. And I hate followed you on Instagram the entire time just being like, oh, God, she's where I want to be. <laughs> this is so good. But, you know, you haven't been able to travel this year. Have you still spent most of your time just thinking about food? And Because the fourth book is also located in Paris, isn't it? No, no, no. The fourth book oh. is based in New York. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. that'll, really, that'll be so ba- unfortunate for you having to go to New York. I and know. I'm really and... hating my life right now. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I, um, I actually really need to get across there to fill in the final bits of research. So um, I'm hoping to get across um, probably in February because it's set late January and February because I need the snow. So, um, so I'm really excited. I haven't been back there for so long. When you say you need to go across there and do research, yeah. What does that entail? Does it entail, is it like the, um, you remember Ocean's 12 where yeah. like Matt Damon and George Clooney just wanted a European holiday. So they shot a film across there. How much of this <laughs> is vital research? I mean, as a reader, does it really help? Okay, honestly, it's vital to me. Like, I don't know if it would be vital to everyone. So, for example, 
I only set books in cities or places that I know really well and that I feel are kind of in my bones. Mm. So for example, with the Paris affair, I did go and spend almost three months there researching it, but I'd also spent a lot of other time there, like three months here, four months there over the years. So I really knew it in a in my bones kind of way. So I don't mean just walking down the street and looking th- at things. I mean the tiny things you only pick up mm. when you've been there for a while. So the reason that I've based um, the next book in New York, apart from the fact that I love New York, um, is I know that. Like I lived there for almost three years. And so I have that in my bones a bit. So when I, I've been able to put all of that um, into the book. So I'll go back and I'll put whatever I find now because I lived there a while back in and sort of sometimes being in a place you will be exposed to stimuli you couldn't even have imagined or found on the internet or google maps which I have to tell you I've been using extensively Um, (laughs) I'm like there's a fire hydrant that's going in there but (laughs) but yeah so for me it's really vital it sounds like a frivolous thing but for me it's part of my creative process and it always has been like right. that's why I based the first two in London because I knew that one so well I don't feel it's frivolous now and it, it's actually making a lot of sense what you're saying as I reflect back on my reading experience of your work yeah. because you're right they feel like little bite-sized opportunities to travel and as the reader you you are in London and you are in Paris and now understanding how seriously you take that that setting and that location that makes a lot of sense to me but it, yeah. it sounds like travel has just been such a vital part of your life since forever because you grew up between Australia was there a big difference between Australian Christmases and African Christmases no like not for not for me (laughs) like no difference whatsoever it's just um no I think maybe the African ones were a little bit more traditional when we're in Australia it's always been very much my mom does not love Christmas okay I don't think she loves I don't think she loves the pressure so it's always been very chill and we spent a lot of time on the beach and had a lot of salads I mean not that I eat the salads but we'll get to that when we find out my favorite (laughs) food um But in Africa, it was kind of, it was a little bit more traditional because my grandmother was there. And so I think she was more traditional in general, but it wasn't different, different, not like you'd think it would be. But you've now mentioned quite a few different countries and, you know, Christmas gets celebrated in some form in quite a few of these places. Who would you say does Christmas the best or rather who does Christmas? Like what's your favorite version of Christmas geographically? Definitely the snow. Right. I love um, I love London at Christmas and I love New York at Christmas time. It's so so cold, like bitingly cold. Like your face is burnt by the cold all the time. But um, I love Christmas in New York because it's just kind of magical. Yeah, we've spent Christmas in London, Paul, and we felt that it was like having experienced a sham of Christmas our whole lives and then just walking into actual Christmas. That's exactly it. We were vibrating on the beauty of it all. Uh, But then I got into New York after Christmas way back when, about a decade ago, so I can't speak to how beautiful the place was, but I can speak to that cold. Oh, my God, I've never experienced anything like it. So cold, isn't it? Except, you see, I think like both of them are just so good with the Christmas lights Mm. and... There's something very um, one horse sleigh about the snow, you know, <laughs> and you can kind of, well, you've got like Winter Wonderland in London, which is amazing. Did you get to go there? No. Oh, no, I didn't. Oh, boo boo. Okay, so when they open, this has to happen. 
I feel like, you know, maybe in a year or so this has to happen because Winter Wonderland's amazing. They've got like mulled wine and rides and lots of Christmassy things and you feel like you might be in Austria. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. All right. The vibe I'm getting is that, as you've said, you're not in for the whole Australian salad, prawns on the Barbie Christmas. White no. wine in the sun can piss right off. So yeah. what sort of food, <laughs> when it comes to Christmas, what food are you craving? Okay, so I was trying to think of like a really good one for you and I just can't because honestly, the only thing I eat over the entire of Christmas, like I'm talking like five days, are lint balls. Like, I actually don't think yes. I eat anything else. I only eat lint balls, and I don't know why this happens to me. It's just that they're everywhere. It doesn't matter where you go. Someone has lint balls. And you can just, like, you can exist on that. It's like Nutella. I'm trying to think of how many food groups exist within a lint ball. There's none, Paul. No, there's, there's, well, you might get, there's maybe nuts, there's some dairy, there's no vegetables. If, unless things have gone very wrong, there's no meat. How are you surviving on just lint balls for five straight days? I feel like there's so many calories. Like, my body can probably leech my bones. For like- <laughs> <laughs> I just- I really love that you've gone down the limp ball path. And just to confirm, is this what you're saying your Desert Island Christmas dish is? It is just limp balls? Yeah, because like I actually don't like any of the other stuff. It's especially that time of year. I don't know whether it's anxiety based or what, but like come Christmas time, I'm just not interested in anything other than chocolate. I mean, look, I will sometimes stray if there's a bowl of quality street on the table or something, but it's pretty much chocolate. 24-7. So do you go in for a mince, fruit mince pie? No, I don't care. Wow. I just don't care. <laughs> well, I can tell that you are the perfect market for a, <laughs> every year. Oh, actually, I couldn't find any last year, but for a while, Lint were bringing out what is the classic red Lint ball, but just in different shapes. Mm. So they yeah. did bells. I think they did little socks one year. And I can tell that you are the perfect target market because you can actually vary up your diet a little bit. Are you saying that it maybe we've got like lint to make Christmas like you know you get there and it looks like a turkey roast but actually it's just lint. <laughs> it's just a lint ball. Yeah. Lint ball. Oh my god. What, what are your go-to flavors? Are you just like a milk chocolate person? Or oh yeah like I'm others? totally a milk chocolate person and the really weird thing about this mm. whole experience is that I don't actually eat milk chocolate the rest of the year the rest of the year i'm all about like lint 85 percent, 90 percent, like hardcore okay i don't know what happens at christmas time that just won't do i think this is excellent because i was about to give you some stick about this because for me a christmas meal is something that you wouldn't typically have in that specific configuration or presentation mm, yeah. any other time of the year if you save the milk chocolate for christmas that ticks that, part, ticks yeah, that box yeah exactly because <laughs> like i don't eat them the rest of the year but i do eat a lot of dark Right. Yeah. Okay. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, look, I, I feel like I'm learning a lot about you and your approach towards food. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little concerned for your insides. 
but what I wanted to say was, you mentioned in an interview that your writing style is you will kind of create a world and you'll let things bubble away, and then a, a character will do a thing that really takes you by surprise, and you sort of have to roll with the punches and you know kind of react spontaneously. Yeah. And I thought maybe that was what you were like in the kitchen. You just kind of set things cooking and followed your you know followed whims. But now I'm thinking maybe. Are you one of those people who doesn't use their kitchen much or are you are you secretly a foodie? No, I'm like one of these people who loves food but does not cook food. So oh. it's a real struggle. <laughs> and you can't cook lint balls, obviously. No, so. I can't. But, you know, I'm very good with making salads and making, like, vegetable dishes and stuff. I think it's because I was vegan a lot when I was a teenager. And so I learned a lot of, like, um, vegetable cooking. But I can't really do much else. Interesting. Right. Yeah. Interesting. I feel like it's going to be... An interesting December for you. As Paul said, I'm concerned about your health on just the slightest level. But I feel that this is one of those Desert Island Christmas dishes that a lot of people are just going to go, yes, I go in for that. I mean, who doesn't like a lint ball, Paul? Well, actually, Pip, I wanted to kind of check what you thought about this because Tegan and I accidentally bought too many advent calendars. So, (laughs) Accidentally. Well, I bought us some advent calendars and then Tegan had bought me an advent calendar and so we had a spare advent calendar sitting around. And I don't know if you're an advent calendar person, but how do you feel about hooking into those things that not on the days that you're allowed to as a chocolate fan? Oh my God, I totally do it. And I know that I shouldn't. And I just don't have that level of self-control. You're meant to have a regimented mind. Surely you're an author. You work to deadlines, right? No, no, no. There's nothing regimented about being an author, man. You should know. Like literally. (laughs) (laughs) Like you do it every day. But like, honestly, it's a shit show. (laughs) Yeah. I kind of hoped, I guess I kind of hoped that, you know, I was the only one who was like this, but. (laughs) No, we're a mess. So the, I saw an advent calendar, a lint advent calendar in the supermarket, yeah. Tegan. Oh, is that what you're winding this back to? Yeah. And I was I was going to see if you would ever kind of crack in for that. But, but no, because the problem Why with an advent calendar... Why would they do calendar, that? I would just buy a bag of lint balls. Yeah. See, that's just it. So, you just have, so I'm just trying to figure out the means in which you are presenting this dish on the island so at least it feels festive. <laughs> but you're just rocking it with a hessian sack of, of milk chocolate lint balls. And I'm probably stealing everyone else's too, I'm just saying. You have written in iconic locations. You wrote at the White Cliffs of Dover where Ian Fleming wrote James Bond. Is that correct? Which book did you write there? I didn't write the whole thing. I just did little bits and pieces. Um, I was actually uh, there anyway. I was visiting a friend and um, I just happened to be in that location. And so I wrote a little bit there. But um, I didn't do the whole thing. And that was The Strangers We Know. It was the very final stages of that. Yeah. I mean, you're lucky I wrote most of um, Loose Units in Mafra. It's not quite as... (laughs) (laughs) My parents' house, you poor thing. Regional Victoria it doesn't quite have the St Margaret at Cliff kind of prestige, but, but do you like? Do you need to go places? Like I don't know where you base your books, but do you find that you need to travel for them, or is this just a pip thing? Uh, I would like to travel for them. I mean, yeah. I've never thought to go to a glamorous location to yeah. inspire myself. Do you think but, you could write in really kind of just boring settings, or do you need to kind of go somewhere interesting to spark well, it's kind that? Of both though, hey, because I go there and I gather the stuff you know, like the stimulus and I take notes and I take photographs and I take video and I just am there. It's not like I'm necessarily write the whole book there. It's more that I'm absorbing things and getting ideas for how things might go. Like in the Paris affair, there are a couple of plot twists, which I can't tell you what they are on like while we're recording because it'll ruin it for anyone watching. But I wouldn't have had those ideas if I hadn't been there and very specific things hadn't happened to me. So I find that for me, it really helps me to put together the plot. But then often I will do the actual 
drafting, well, a huge amount of it, in kind of a level of isolation. And I'll do it back in Australia, like in Margaret River or um, wherever I happen to be. But it's more that I need to be in those pl- the place that I'm setting the book to gather the stuff. Absolutely. And as you said, to get it into your bones. Yeah, it has to be in my bones. It's like I can't just go somewhere for two weeks and then write a book based there. I definitely can't. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show. We really, really appreciate it. I know many people out there will desperately appreciate your Desert Island Christmas dish. (laughs) (laughs) And good luck with the fourth book. I hope that when notes come in, they're all fantastic. I'm sure they will be. Thank you so much, Kate. I'm sorry, that Desert Island dish is bullshit. You say that, but if somebody offered you a lint ball, what are you going to do? Say no? No, you're not going to say no, so it's a brilliant Desert Island Christmas dish. What would happen if you swallowed a lint ball without chewing? I've done it. What? I've done it. Oh, because there's that... It kind of melts on the way down, and then it got a bit stuck in my esophagus, and I thought I was going to die. And I was like, at least I'm doing what I love. Maybe this is all like some sort of pre-death hallucination you're having. Maybe this whole show is just you in a fugue state. Or maybe it's Dishmas. Anything can happen. Thank you so much for listening to another episode (laughs) of the 12 Days of Dishmas. We have another Red Hot episode for you tomorrow with an incredible guest. But seriously, everyone, thank you so much for listening to this mini-series we've been doing. And if you're enjoying it, do head across to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. Say goodbye. No. Say goodbye. I won't. We can't just keep going. We've got stuff to do. I like them. I want them to stay with me. I'm leaving all this in. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 